Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 56 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, it's been over a year, year and a half that we've been doing the show, and we've never really talked about storage. So tonight we're going to slightly break that streak tonight, uh, but we promise it's not going to get too, too storage wonky for folks, because I know that's not what they really come to the show for. So uh, tonight on the show, we're excited to have uh, Leo Leung, uh, Vice President of Marketing for Oxygen Cloud. Leo, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Brian. Uh, so, you know, you and I met uh, a couple of years ago. We were up in Oregon, uh, sort of out of the way at an Intel event. At the time, you were working for... EMC on their Atmos platform, so their object-based, cloud-based uh, platform, and we were we were at a at an event, and it was kind of a it was kind of a weird serendipity. Um, I sat down at dinner next to a guy. He introduced himself. He says, "Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm Peter. I'm the CEO of Oxygen Cloud. I'd never heard of the company before." And we get to talking, and we end up going on for about forty-five minutes about all the challenges of. You know, uh, file sharing and collaboration, and having you know remote workers and people in buildings, and so I kind of got to know about Oxygen Cloud really quickly one night, and I got really intrigued. Um, you've since you know you left a little while ago. You left the Atmos Group, went over to Oxygen Cloud. Uh, give me a sense of kind of what your background is, how you got engaged with these guys, and, and what you're doing these days. Sure. Uh, so uh, I was with EMC for about seven years. Uh, at that time, uh, it was a great it was a great uh, experience. Um, uh, and then moved into uh, object storage, cloud storage, uh, with the Atmos team, both from the product perspective as well as the perspective. Um, and you know, uh, I'll give EMC a lot of credit, at least being very open to looking at new opportunities, looking at how uh, markets were being disrupted. Uh, I think the principle is uh, if you're going to get disrupted, hopefully you're disrupting yourself right, yep. with, with uh, the right technology. So that w- that's what Atmos was really about. Uh, you know, kind of the leading edge of that was the goal to potentially start a service around storage, right, which is a very, uh, very new concept for EMC. At the end of the day, uh, they decided that uh, it was something that they felt would be potentially competitive uh, with some of their partners, with some of their customers. So they decided to pull back on offering a storage service themselves. Uh, but instead, they went to seed uh, lots of service providers out there. You know, that really piqued my interest in the potential disruption and, and the huge amount of change that was going on in terms of storage and the concepts around data management that were possible uh, if you looked at it as a service, uh, if you looked at it uh, like Amazon looks at it, uh, as something that uh, can be offered um, as a service can be uh, a large part of an entire application or just be a component of an application. Uh, And in that process, uh, certainly EMC was working and still is working with Oxygen, uh, and that's where the transition happened. Uh, I felt like Oxygen was very much space, uh, the the biggest space of possible disruption when it comes to storage. Okay. So so let's dive into that a little bit because... You know, when I, when I look at Oxygen Cloud, um, and for, for anybody that's not familiar with it, let me give you a really quick synopsis. And you know, Leo, correct me if, if I'm if I'm way off base on this. But you know, when I've when I've used the product, when I've used the platform, I look at it as not so much a storage product, as more of a 
and I don't even want to call it like a storage gateway. It's, it's more of a, it's really an application. Um, it's a really simple yet secure application that allows me to, um, to share information. And the, the byproduct of that sharing is, you know, it has, you know, files, whatever those files might end up being, have to get stored somewhere. But, but you guys really aren't providing, you know, a bunch of giant boxes with disk drives in them for storage. You guys are really providing, in essence, a, a, an application or a portal or an, a sort of a collaborative environment where information is getting shared. Is that is that fair? And it's, you know, it's something that you can use on a mobile device, that you can use on a laptop, that you can use kind of inside the firewall, outside the firewall, between companies. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to users, uh, that's very much the application, um, which is what you described. It's, a, it's an environment uh, to access content consistently uh, wherever you are. If you're, if you're a storage person, uh, you would think of it as file virtualization. Uh, you would think of it as uh, a common file system uh, to your stuff. Okay. Um, uh, you know, another analogy would be you know a network drive, but one that's accessible offline, one that's accessible on any device you're using. Um, we think about it, in, I, I guess, in two ways. Uh, one is very much that the application that uh, that you described, uh, but but perhaps more importantly, or equally importantly, we think about ourselves as a platform too. Um, there's a lot of technology that we've built that essentially enables that application, uh, but lets us do things like tie into the enterprise infrastructure uh, or different kinds of infrastructure underneath, uh, allowing us to, uh, for example, uh, leverage private infrastructure, uh, private authentication, private storage, uh, but still present the application uh, in a very open, uh, very network kind of way. Okay. Those two components are what I would say are our core uh, IP, uh, equally important to us uh, and lets us, I think, play uh, play nicely uh, in the enterprise or as a pure kind of SaaS public kind of service. Okay. So, Leo, let, let's dive a little bit deeper into kind of, you know, Oxygen Cloud specific. Um, you know, as you're engaging with customers, as customers reach out to you, what are the, what are the typical types of problems they come to you with? What are the... What are the, the use cases that they they find most challenging that you guys help them solve? Or what are the, the things that, as they're starting to work with the product, they find, you know, they didn't expect, but but they find, you know, helps them in ways that, that are, you know, beyond what they expected? Sure. So so I, I think I would start with the, the very practical ones. The ones that we see quite often are really mobile enablement types of use cases. Uh, so uh, an example would be, uh, ING Direct, uh, the, one of the big consumer banks, uh, when they were thinking about really enabling their executives and their board members uh, who are all on iPads, uh, they wanted to be able to do it in an IT uh, compliant kind of way, right? And, and the, again, this is where we come in usually. They're, they they realize that there's lots of uh, consumer type services that are being used uh, or, you know, non-IT compliant types of services being used and they, they're struggling for an alternative. Uh, and with them, we were able to uh, provide all these you know, very important people in their organization with uh, access on their you know, iOS devices uh, into corporate storage. Okay, so it's, again, it's that notion of bridging 
a good user experience, a cloud app type of experience uh, on any kind of device that a person may have into a corporate authentication, corporate uh, data control kind of model um, and enable them to work seamlessly. Okay. Um, talk, so, talk, talk for a second, you know, as I, as I go out to your website and I look at some of the, your, you know, your customers that you guys profile, one of them's a, a realtor called Fonville Morrissey. And I, I grabbed that name because they're a Raleigh based or at least a Raleigh founded company. So Aaron and I see their signs all over the place. Um, you know, they're all about people being out on the road, um, interacting with their users, literally probably only with an iPad or a phone. Talk about what a company like that, who's not a, you know, a big bank or, you know, big traditional kind of company, what, what, what are they using the technology for? Sure. So, uh, that's another great example. Uh, you know, we've, uh, we've definitely struck a chord with, uh, these kind of very, very distributed types of organizations like real estate companies. Uh, where certainly there's the mobile uh, requirement where again it's a it's the ability to go grab you know contracts uh, product brochures from the company very very easily and these are you know usually centrally uh, managed or centrally stored types of resources grab them on their device and be able to work with a customer on them um, so certainly that's a big use case but uh, more interestingly is they're really thinking about this uh, as a broader paradigm, just in general file services. So whereas in the past they may have thought about uh, you know, uh, more of a network storage kind of concept uh, and then you know, maybe buy some kind of content management system on top of that for uh, some other type of access. Um, uh, FM Realty is, a, is an example where they're thinking about this as uh, the storage access mechanism, uh, which changes everything, right? So they want their users to be able to get to the same content no matter what device they're using, no matter where they are, right? So it takes the silos of, hey, it's a, fi- you know, it's a network share. Hey, it's a content management system that has another subset of content. Uh, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to email you some stuff. There's another silo. And it breaks all those walls and says, well, you really actually want one common uh, access to storage. Okay. So these- and and this, was, this was really kind of what you were getting at earlier when you were talking about, you know, instead of having systems that are kind of agnostic to the application, you're really starting to blur the lines between you know, what an application can kind of do, right? So you, you talk about content management as a type of application, but, but you're also providing sort of the underlying, you know, file sharing storage services as well. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, we're bridging, we're bridging those worlds again, right? Okay. Where, where, yeah, it's not about, well, you know, here's a, here's a decades-old paradigm of, you know, presenting a mount point to you, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have to be online to get it. Okay. Uh, and it's not yet another system where it's layering some web stuff on top of it. It's saying, yeah, it's not about that, right? It's about uh, giving people the interface they need on the particular form factor they happen to have at hand, no matter where they are, and giving them the data. Uh, And that changes a lot of things. That changes what are traditionally very silo kind of markets, uh, application versus storage. Um, And it says that's not the point. The point is to be able to give people uh, the access to the data uh, in a compliant way, right? So they can view. And and because because you guys, you know, as long as you provided the service, have had 
mobile applications, whether they were Android or iOS or iPad or whatever, this isn't about sort of that, uh, you know, application transformational stuff. This isn't some sort of HTML5 kind of delivery kind of tweak thing. This is just, you know, deliver the application. It's got all the native controls that are touched. And so I mean, like, there isn't like all these layers that you have to do to kind of give people access the application plus the information. Is that kind of where yeah. it's been going? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, to us, you know, what's cool is on the interface side and on the user side is to try to be as close to the native uh, experience as possible, okay. right? Take advantage of the platform as much as we possibly can. Uh, not layer on another bunch of stuff, right, that people have to either learn uh, or is an emulation of the actual platform, right, uh, which is what some of these other uh, some of these other applications are trying to do. They're trying to, you know, emulate some of the cap- native capability. Why do that? Why bother, right? Uh, you do that, you end up needing new applications in order to work, uh, uh, in order to interact with... Uh, uh, the HTML5 thing that you built, right? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, no, that, that's that's very cool. I know, you know, a lot of times the folks who listen to our show are, you know, a huge mix. I mean, some of them are, are uh, you know, IT administrators, some of them are architects, some of them are CIOs, and others are, you know, people that, that are in different parts of the industry. But a lot of them are always looking at, you know, how do we, you know, wh- where are the points where, where people are making changes? What are the, what are the, the trigger points to, for them to, to adopt something new, to, to change a business process? And I think, you know, what you kind of highlighted there is, you know, sometimes it's going to be top down. It's going to be the executives trying to drive some things that are helpful to them and they become kind of the, the lighthouse for what the company might do. And in other cases, it might be, you know, the folks that are feet on the street with a, you know, a specific way they interact with their, with their customers or their business that are driving it. And it's sort of, you know, bottom up and, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities sort of in between for people to be leveraging this new type of paradigm to, to make, you know, either incremental changes or, you know, in some cases probably fairly significant changes in their business. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about BYOD, I mean, I would say those are two of the biggest audiences that are driving, um, bringing their devices and driving change to IT. Uh, okay. It's those it's those executives uh, and it's people in the field, whether they're salespeople or professional services or wherever they are, right? Um, these are people that are underserved. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. I kind of want to uh, poke in a couple things with you. So, so you've been on the side of what would be con- kind of considered more traditional enterprise type of storage, and and now you're living in the world that's kind of considered cloud storage. So again, uh, you know, different ways of of presenting uh, the data, presenting information, you know, uh, consistency levels, all those sort of things. What are you seeing now that you've sat on both sides of the fence? What are you seeing as the biggest differences and trends, you know, between those two worlds? Whether it's expectations of the users, expectations of the, the operators, the consumption models, what, you know, what, what's different between those worlds at a, at a really big level and where are things going? So I think uh, in the traditional storage world, uh, you know, it, it's still uh, sort of an island. Uh, I think that uh, there's certainly innovation that's happening there, you know, with, uh, you know, SSDs and with if you look more broadly into different uh, paradigms of storage, right, in terms of uh, you know some of your NoSQL lower consistency models versus your higher consistency models, there's, there's actually a lot of innovation. Mm-hmm. 
but it still thinks of itself as an infrastructure uh, and as an island that's separate from the application. Okay. Uh, where, you know, they need to exist without it. They need to provide themselves as a reliable uh, resource for the application, but there's not a lot of intermingling going on. Uh, whereas in the cloud world, uh, I think there is more blurring of the lines that's happening, uh, where... Uh, uh, you know, you can certainly provide those infrastructure capabilities um, as a cloud storage, but I think uh, in order to be effective in the market, you actually have to, uh, you know, uh, expose more application qualities, actually interface with the end user more. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think uh, I think uh, maybe the, uh, the the headline for this show is around Dropbox, and I think Dropbox is sort of an example of that, where you're blending a lot of things into one uh, product, uh, into one offering, right? Where ultimately they are storage, um, but the interface is very important to their success. Right, right. People have adopted that uh, in huge numbers uh, uh, because the interface is so simple uh, and intuitive, and it makes uh, the store more consumable um, and accessible. Uh, and that's that's been uh, certainly uh, certainly a measure of their success uh, has been uh, how good that interface is, how usable it is. Right. So they blended the, blended the uh, uh, blurred the lines between uh, what an application is and what an infrastructure is. Yeah. Uh, that's what I see as a major difference. You know, cer- certainly there's more intelligence, and you know I won't discount what's happened in the storage world. A lot of intelligence happening there. Lots of innovation, lots of uh, things changing, but there's still this fundamental gulf uh, between those two worlds. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think you, you know, if you were to classify all the things that are happening in kind of traditional storage, and you hit on some of them, right? It's it's SSDs. You're thing, seeing things like you know, converge, you know, convergence of the networks. You're seeing people moving compute and storage into the same boxes, or you're moving, uh, you know, storage onto the compute nodes or compute onto the storage nodes. A lot of those are driven around kind of like, you know, metrics like efficiency and performance. Whereas, you know, I think what you're really highlighting is, um, you know, when you start to move up into into thinking about how does it affect the application, how do you make it easier to share or easier to collaborate or easier to to sync, then your metrics really become about about simplicity, about ease of use, about trying to enable efficiency for somebody, about you know, about about work, you know, productivity, about um, making making it easier for things to get done. And it, and it's a very different it's almost looking more at the business challenge than it is the technology challenge, I think, um, to a certain extent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, there was a, uh, I remember when there was the big uh, Amazon outage, one of them, <laughs> uh, where, uh, you know, there was a lot of backlash uh, around, uh, you know, Amazon uh, not performing up to expectations or, you know, certain applications just failing completely, right, during that outage. Right. Um uh, and, and there was a uh, there was a writer. I'll I'll think of his name uh, a little bit later, maybe. Um, I think that put it very well, which was, you know, in a traditional infrastructure. Um, again, there's this assumption that uh, the infrastructure is responsible for availability, right? Where, uh, yeah, the, the application may be written the worst possible way. Doesn't matter. Uh, the storage has to be available at all times, right? Right. right. 
Um, and, and the end result is the overall solution is available at all times. Um, uh, in the cloud world, there there is more of a sharing of responsibility that has to happen, right? Where uh, you, you cannot build an application poorly. <laughs> um, uh, but the trade-off is uh, if you do do it well, uh, as you said, you get more close to what people actually care about, which is you know, how easy is the experience hack? How reliable is the service, uh, you know, in these set of use cases, right? Um, Is it sync every time uh, I turn on my device? Those kinds of things are what people ultimately care about as an end user. Um, And you need to actually consider both aspects of the application and the storage and the infrastructure in order to achieve that kind of effect. Um, That's my belief anyway. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, and we've talked about this on the show, as, as you get into these sort of new application development models, whether they're using, you know, uh, uh, eventual, consi- uh, eventual consistency databases, you're building around distributed applications, um, it's not so much about saying, like, we won't be highly available, we won't be available, we won't give you performance. It's just, it's new ways of looking at it that are either going to take advantage of either new programming languages, new database models, to a certain extent, it's just new economics, uh, either of the hardware or the software. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and it's, and it's, you know, something that I think people need to start to get their head around, you know, what's, what's really going on here? Where can we have failures? Uh, how do we, you know, learn from the failures that happen, whether it's in Amazon or somewhere else? Um, let's shift gears a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned Dropbox, and I, I don't really want to go down the Dropbox route. I guess, you know, there, there are, umpteen companies that kind of have used this tagline, hey, we're the Dropbox for the enterprise. And it's like you said, right? People sort of know that experience. I want to touch on a slightly different angle about that. So, um, you know, you and I talked at VMworld. We bumped into each other just walking around, and I I sort of said, um, you know, I I was using Oxygen Cloud for one of my internal projects, and you guys sort of saved the day for me because I could use it uh, inside the firewall with with colleagues, I could use it outside the firewall with some external contractors we were working with. It didn't have a file size limit to it, you know, so we could send large video files. It didn't have a limit of how many downloads we had, but which was all awesome and, and loved the product for that reason. The, the, the challenge I had was not every single person was using it, right? So, you know, we kind of had to go through this, hey, do you have this client? Hey, do you know this service? And that part of it was pretty easy. The tough part was, you know, you'd have some people who'd go, well, I don't know that service. I don't know if I can trust it. And, and you had some people who would sort of say, you know, my goal is to get my job done and be productive. And you had others who sort of were concerned that, you know, the IT was going to, you know, kind of slap their wrist if they broke the rules or something. Like, how do you, you know, as, as you guys are trying to get engaged with customers and you're trying to sort of gain their trust and how are you finding that, that people who, I mean, because people use a million different ways of sharing files from emails to, you know, SIFS uh, shares. To, like, how are you getting them to, to get past this idea that it's okay what they're doing? It is secure. It is something that can be trusted. It's something that they should be ad- adopting, you know, with all their colleagues and so forth. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun, actually. Uh, I think that uh, the, the product that we've built uh, is very enterprise and IT friendly. Uh, so the first thing we do is uh, we do work with IT very closely. Um, uh, and uh, those conversations are pretty easy. 
because we are uh, giving a large amount of control to IT, which is what they're used to, uh, a lot of visibility. Um, and, you know, again, this is where I think some of the, some of the you know, uh, current definitions around public and private really break down. Um, if you're able to uh, ensure that identity, uh, so the credentials or the you know, uh, authenticity of a person uh, is still under control uh, of IT, uh, and you're able to ensure that the data, uh, whatever files uh, are being handled, are also under control of IT, and by control, I mean not just you know, uh, arm's length control, uh, but control within their own systems, uh, control within their own, you know, uh, Active Directory or storage system. Uh, that 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 uh, addresses a lot of the concerns. Okay, so it's it's almost um, while you guys present a very um, easy to use sort of user experience, it's part of the part of the trick is getting the IT groups to sort of come out and say, hey, this is something that we endorse, something that that you can you can trust and we're not going to get you in trouble. You shouldn't feel like you're in trouble. Is that, is that kind of part of the trick to, to getting adoption to grow? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely two, uh, the two facets, uh, from an IT perspective, uh, you know, I think they're struggling. Uh, they, uh, they want to, they want to please their users. They know that all these things are going on, right? They know that all these various services are being used because the services uh, uh, that IT is providing are not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, they realize that. Um, and they're struggling for answers. Right? So they need something uh, to make the users happy, uh, but still uh, preserve the you know, many things uh, that IT needs to uh, uh, take ownership over. They need to preserve those things. So that's the half of it is the IT piece. Uh, uh, the part... Uh, for the users, I think there's so much room uh, to uh, to make the experience uh, uh, um, you know uh, better than uh, people have ever experienced. Right? I think synchronization uh, has opened people's eyes, uh, and you know now it's very common, right? Uh, uh, with iCloud and with um, you know. Um, uh, what Google does, what Amazon does, right. it, it's now assumed, right, that my co- content will be available everywhere. Right. That's opened a lot of eyes, and I think that that's changed the user experience for everyone uh, and made it that much better. Right. But there's still uh, to even go beyond that, right? Um, some of the classic uh, problems, if you look at uh, the technology industry around finding content, around making content uh, discoverable, around collaboration, all those things. There's a lot of room to grow there. Yeah. So, right? So you got, you got to make IT happy, but you have to make users ecstatic, right? Right. Uh, right. Yeah, there's there's uh, graveyards full of, of uh, technology that, that IT loved or IT deployed that nobody ever used, and because they they didn't like it. They didn't trust it. They couldn't figure out how to use it. And uh, so, yeah, no, I think you're right. It's it really is a, a balancing act between those two things. So, let, let's touch on that. Let's dig into that a little bit deeper. Um, you wrote a blog recently, a couple weeks back, and you were talking about the challenges. Um, you know, somewhat as a as a vendor of technology, but but certainly as somebody who interacts with IT, deals with their challenges. You know, deals with end users who want to be more productive, but. You know, the, the gist of what I got out of, out of the blog was, you know, you're kind of talking about the difference between old applications that kind of meet 
more legacy business kind of needs or legacy IT needs right there. You know, they've kind of got these strict security models. They, they kind of have, you know, sort of strict infrastructure ways of working. And then you've got new applications which have simpler to use interfaces. They work better on mobile devices or, you know, really any types of device. Um, and you said, you know, it, it's becoming sort of challenging because the things that the users want or the things that, that seem the simplest to get productivity out of are very, very different than the ones that, that are getting rolled out to them. And it, it was it's sort of this, you know, how do we get over this hump where it's like, you know, something is like, you know, either or. And, and to a certain extent, I think you guys are a good example of somebody who's, you know, helped figure out how to get over that hump. But, but talk some more about what, what you were trying to get at in the blog and, and some of the challenges you're seeing with this, you know, old applications versus new applications. Uh, yeah, so, you know, if you ask just a regular person uh, uh, what they're using on their phone or, or you know, what, what's really exciting to them about technology, you know, it's never going to be, you know, Salesforce, right? Or, or let alone, you know, uh, um, SAP or something, right? That, that's, not, that's, not, that's not what's going to excite people. They're going to talk about, you know, even on the productivity front, they're going to talk about something like Evernote, or they're going to talk about, you know, uh, penultimate or something like that, right? Right. There's a lot of innovation happening on the, uh, what I would call a cloud app side, where uh, you have these applications that are created that are, you know, platform agnostic. Uh, they work on all of them. Um, they do synchronize information across all of them. So it doesn't matter what you happen to have on hand. Uh, you can continue to do whatever you were doing, right? Uh, the interface is so friendly. It's, uh, you know, it is, they've thought about touch, right? They've thought about, uh, um, you know, single-handed operation, right? They've, they've thought about these things. They've thought about, oh, well, you know, there's location available in this device. Uh, let's take advantage of that. There's a calendar available in this device. Let's take advantage of that, right? Right. You know, they've thought about all these things, and this is what people use uh, when they're not at work, right? Uh, and certainly, they've started bring all these apps into work uh, because turns out they have value beyond their personal lives. Um, and you know, what I think and what we think the biggest challenge is, you know, why 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 is there not a nice transition? Um, and and I don't think the answer is for the the you know enterprise application vendors to just try to copy it, right, uh, which some of them have, uh, try to look at the interface and say, oh, we can build an interface that's close to that. Um, and by the time they're done, things have moved on from there, right? Right, right. Yeah, and I, th I think what you're really highlighting is it's it's more than just having the right fonts or the right colors or rounded edges. It's, you know, there's a, there's a very different thinking that goes into, um, you know, how do you like you said, how, how do you take advantage of the form factor of the device? And, and maybe that's one element that doesn't get considered, but, but it's also things like, you know, there is business value in people being able to connect to their social networks easily because they have business partners as well as friends who might, you know, have interconnections. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it is interesting to see how people sort of try and faux emulate uh, something that's considered to be cool but don't really understand the essence of why people love that application, what it really does to make them want to keep using it and, and be productive with it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, so I, 
I end up sort of dismissive about the you know business uh, social network kind of applications, those kinds of things, um, because I do think that's what was what that's what happened, right? They looked at what was available in the you know personal um, and quote unquote consumer market, emulated that, um, but they've lost <laughs> a lot of what would what what would made those applications uh, special, right? Okay. Yeah. So. So instead, what I think the, the, the real challenge or the real focus should be is how do you bridge the two worlds? Um, it, it, you know, it's not about let's create another, you know, let's create Facebook for the enterprise, right? Let's create Twitter for the enterprise. People are trying that, uh, and that's fine. Uh, instead, it should be, you know, those technologies are, are good. Uh, those applications are good. Can we create a bridge between them and the enterprise without rewriting the whole thing, right? Okay. Um, uh, and uh, I do think that's some of the DNA or essence of what Oxygen uh, has tried to do, at least, uh, which is to say, yeah, you want that great user experience. You want that cloud application. Uh, but the bridge is you know, not, for example, putting a big container around or putting a, uh, a virtual wrapper around your application and moving it and making it private, right? Um, you know, or even vice versa, right? Um, it's, that's too coarse-grained. Yep. Uh, what matters is actually, again, uh, who controls the identity of that application, right? What are you logging in as? Who's the owner of the application? Um, uh, and then what, where the data is going? Yep. Uh, uh, now right. without now without now without kind of you know giving away your guys' special sauce. I mean, is that does that boil down to to some basic things like you know you really need to be thinking about your application leveraging public APIs so that um, you know you can you can sort of keep the essence of the application whether you're talking to uh, you know in your case an enterprise storage array which might use you know one sort of access method. You're using a, a public cloud service like Amazon S3 as the back end, or you're using, I don't know, uh, you know, Rackspace's cloud, or is it is it a different mindset than just you know API should be the starting point of, of how you uh, you know provide that control and that interconnectivity? Um, I think APIs might not be the right place to start. I mean, I think. Uh, uh, it, it's it's just a it's sort of a different level of uh, or a different level of granularity. Um, so I guess the way we think about it is uh, the infrastructure is the infrastructure, and that shouldn't matter that much. Okay. Um, and uh, everyone's actually capable of doing this, uh, but um, you know I, maybe it's uh, still early uh, in the game. Uh, but you're able to actually run your application uh, uh, again without. Coupling, coupling very tightly with, you know, again, who the user is, the identity, the data. You can run the application in the most scalable place you can get, right? You want the economics, you want the scale of the cloud, probably, uh, because it gives you that much flexibility. That's good. Uh, but because you've done it in such a way where you're not tightly coupling the, in, the user and the data, uh, you can put those things back in the control uh, of the people that may care about that, right? whether it's the user or whether it's the enterprise. So the enterprise, uh, you know, again, they care about their data, whether it's for compliance reasons, whether it's for IP reasons. Every single customer that we talk to 
Yeah, they're very uh, uh, concerned about their data because in some cases it is their entire livelihood, right? Right, uh, sure, absolutely. Their product is their data, right? So to ask them to uh, give up ownership over that in way, uh, is presumptuous, uh, I think, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Okay. So it, it, it really boils down to more about kind of thinking about the essence of the application, thinking about where do users really interact with that, where does things like identity really interact, and, and being able to to build levels of abstraction so that you can, uh, like you said, if, if you want to take advantage of more scalable infrastructure, that doesn't change your application. If your users, if your IT department wants to have a slightly different authentication mechanism, that doesn't change the essence of the application. You've got that sort of flexibility abstraction to to be able to, um, you know, make it adapt to, to what the business needs. Yeah, you can you can build in such a way where you can be flexible uh, flexible about the infrastructure it runs on, uh, and, and even break it down so that you can run on lots of different different infrastructure at the same time. Okay. And the goal of that is is again twofold. Uh, you want to do it in that way because you want to provide the constant kind of innovation that cloud apps provide, right? You know, mm-hmm. every time you look, every time you open your phone, there's an update. Right. Uh, the application very hard to do with an enterprise application, right? Yep. It's not impossible. Um, and most of the times, they're good things, right? They're things that make it faster, make it add more features. It's a good thing overall. Uh, you want that kind of behavior for the application itself. Uh, but you want, for IT, you want to give them the control over the things they care about. They don't actually care about the application so much. You know, they want it to work. Uh, they want it to satisfy the business goals. Uh, but I'm not sure they necessarily want to maintain uh, uptime for it. Uh, right? Do all the patches. Make sure it's secure. Uh, that's actually overhead. Uh, if, if you were able to actually get the goodness of the application... Uh, of a of a cloud kind of application, uh, but still retain control of the data and you know access like who, who gets rights. Uh, I think that would be close to nirvana for IT, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's sort of the you know I feel like a little bit abstract, here, but uh, we think that's the bigger that's the bigger conversation that should be happening, um, as opposed to you know public private. Uh, you know, hosted, not hosted, that kind of stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, let me let me finish on on sort of one last topic that I think um, sort of is an extension of what we've just been talking about here. So, um, you know, BYOD, bring your own device, is is sort of one of the hot buzzwords in our industry, um, whether people like it or don't like it. Um, but sometimes it, it tends to have sort of a lot of baggage that gets associated with technologies like VDI or, you know, people tend to think, you know, they, they hear the D part of that, bring your own device, and they, they think it's really a device issue. You know, the more I talk to folks that spend a lot of time in the mobile space and some of the bigger thinkers, the people that are kind of out there, guys like Brian Katz and some others, you know, they're, they're really talking about it's, it's, it's less about the device, it's more about the data, um, and it's about writing applications that sort of don't care about the device. You're really managing the data. It's you, you guys are kind of in that space where it's, you know, you're, you're device agnostic, you're focused on, like you said, authenticating a user, but, but securing the data, being able to synchronize data. 
are you are you finding people are are starting to understand the the importance of of the data more so than the device you know the the, the or being able to sort of break apart the the dependencies on each one of those is that is that something that, that when you talk to people they they understand that or are they still kind of caught up in the you know informations on this device it's tied to this person therefore we have to have a a model that's that fits that that way of thinking yeah i th- i think people are starting to get it and i and i, I point out two, i guess two kind of examples um i think when we get into conversations with the enterprises uh there's more and more of a realization that uh you know they're going to have different audiences in the company right some some uh, some part of the employee base is going to still require a mobile uh, application and local data. Okay. Uh, maybe that's ten percent. Uh, another part will perhaps benefit from VDI, where they're getting the desktop stream to them, right? An entire environment, but it's a relatively small percentage. Uh, the majority of them uh, only want data; they don't need uh, the whole environment. Uh, they don't need applications streamed to them. Uh, they just need their data available, right? So that's one facet. Uh, we've heard that a lot more, uh, and that's what we can provide uh, for those types of customers, right? They can run their local application, they can run their iOS application, uh, but the data is still, and that's perhaps. Uh, uh, another kind of thing I would point out is you look at kind of like mobile device management that space. Uh, I do think that uh, there's some changes happening in that market too, where people are starting to realize, well, you know, is that really what I want? Do I want another container uh, around each one of those devices where the data is siloed? Um, you know, great, I have control over that individual device, uh, but I'm, you know, replicating stuff all over the place in order to achieve that. Right. 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 Up there. So I think there's a lot of stuff happening in that particular space uh, that, uh, you know, I think we'll start to see in the coming months, uh, there's going to be some big changes in that particular market as well. And those two examples, I would say, are, you know, uh, both realization from vendors as, real, as well as realization from customers that uh, it's, it's not about, you know, it's not about device or the or the application container or the operation you know operating system container that that I care about um, it's really the data uh, uh, that's actually the essence of it um, but I think it's still relatively early uh, okay. okay so so that's good so there's a lot to sort of look forward to um, people are, are thinking about it at least from the the technology vendor side and it sounds like um, you know, you sort of hit on the, the, it's it's about finding the people early on that realize it's it's about the data as a, or at least the use cases that are about the data, and then you know potentially uh, trying to expand upon that for other people that that may realize that that's a more valuable asset to them. That's a, a better uh, sort of unit of of interaction than than worrying about an individual device or like you said a container. So um, well, very very cool. So uh, so Leo, we're kind of getting. Towards uh, where we ought to wrap up the show. Um, I appreciate the time tonight. Uh, very, very interesting conversation. Um, I think you really hit on a couple of areas that are that are really important for people to consider. It's you know you you highlighted it's 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 not about the sort of you know which silo you want to talk about a private or a public. It's it's about the application. It's about sort of bridging environments for people. Um, I think that's really really important. And and I think you really highlighted 
you know, it's about thinking about what the application does for people as opposed to what, you know, what an individual piece of infrastructure might do or, or, or how that's going to be involved with, with driving productivity or driving a business need. So, um, so thank you very much for that. So before we wrap up for the night, um, for folks that want to learn more about, about where you're going to be, where you're presenting, where you're going to be, you know, out, out, in, uh, out in the marketplace or things that are going on with Oxygen Cloud, where can people find out more stuff about you, about Oxygen Cloud, about some of the cool things that you guys are working on? Sure. So uh, certainly uh, uh, our website's a good place to go as well as our blog. Um, uh, we, we try to be super transparent about what's happening and what we're doing uh, in the blog and on Twitter. Um, so those are probably the fastest ways to find out uh, more about what we're working on uh, and where we're going to be showing up uh, in public um, for you know face to face. Okay, uh, very cool. And, and you guys have a you guys have a really really good community manager, a woman named uh, Julie Mock. Who I'll give a shout out to that. If you don't follow her on Twitter, Twitter, she should be on your list as well. She keeps everybody updated with what's going on with you guys and, and in the industry. Yes. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're going to have a big website overhaul very soon. And, you know, it's very much in tune with uh, stuff you're probably familiar with, Brian. You know, it's about communicating, right? It's not about marketing. Right. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think that there's so much great stuff going on in the industry as well as with our company that uh, we're going to do everything we can to just communicate um, and uh, be transparent about what's going on. So. Okay, very cool. And for folks that want to try out the service or try out the tools, um, are there still ways to get kind of free trials or free downloads and things like that, set up a, a little community amongst people to, to try out the service? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, auctioncloud.com. Uh, you know, you can try out the service for free. Uh, you can use the service for free, actually. Um, uh, you can also uh, uh, take a look uh, at some of our uh uh, infrastructure technology. So, if you want to uh, start playing around with integrating it into your enterprise, into your data center, uh, we have things that you can just download yourself. Uh, oh, very cool, very cool. So it's uh, get started, figure out what what works for you, and then uh, they can get in touch with you guys if they love the product. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, listen. Um, so again, Leo, thank you so much for the time tonight. Uh, for folks, we're we're out of time for this week. Um, if you like the show, as always, uh, please tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the Cloudcast Net. We're on the web at thecloudcast.net, as well as all the other social media channels and pages and, and places that you typically find information. So, uh, Aaron's on the road this week. Um, so, for Leo and for myself, thank you very much for listening and have a good night. 